and welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Kyle, um, we got, we've got more uh, PGA merch interviews to play with uh, Susie Whaley of the PGA of America, Bob Denny, golf historian, and your buddy Jonathan Wall, PGAtour.com. That will be coming up on the other side. But I uh, want couple hit a couple more things, including your expert picks uh, for the Phoenix Open, the uh, the lovely frat party that takes place in uh, out out in Arizona <laughs> every single uh, the, what is it the just the the Arizona State uh, co-ed invitational would be another good uh, name for this maybe yeah the the, the you got to work Phil in there somehow too oh that's right it's a, but it's a really but, good field this year um, we'll get to the picks it's fantastic yeah we'll get to the picks in a little bit but um, a launching point that uh, you pitched to me that I. I think that is very fun uh, to look ahead to beginning with uh, beginning with our good buddy, our good friend, Rory McIlroy. So Rory, um, <laughs> our good friend, I think, I think that's going to be my new shtick. I'm just going to call him our good friend for the rest of the season. Uh, our good friend, Rory McIlroy out. He gets, ends up getting beat by uh Tong Lee out in Got Dubai. run down. Got run down got run by Hatung. My, my favorite Hatung Lee uh, bit is at Tron last year during the Open. Hatung Lee finished, I think, third or fourth at the Open at Birkdale. And Tron said, there's nothing like Hatung Lee bucking his head at a major championship. <laughs> <laughs> and so I texted Tron on uh, on Friday morning because Hatung Lee shot like a 65 or something in the second round. And uh, I said, how Tung Lee bucking his head again? And he he texted back and said, I love it. I live for this or something like that. And uh, yeah, European tour is the best. I've, I've, I'm all in on the European tour. 22 years old, uh, chasing down the multiple time major winner, Rory McIlroy. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty fun as it is, but... You had um you you had some some reasons to uh to really be encouraged and excited about Rory coming out of Dubai. Yeah, totally. I mean, he, he finished his top five at Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Uh, he he probably should have won Dubai. Hit hit a couple bad shots coming home. Um, but I I don't know how you know. And, and I didn't watch every shot. It's it's you know, two thirty in the morning that he's playing. But when I did watch, he seems just, just pre 2017 Rory. Like he's just locked in. He's obviously the second or first best driver in the world. And the wedge game just, it just looked better, you know? And, and we talk about it all the time, but you give yourself enough 12, 15 footers and you're going to win a lot of golf tournaments, you know, no matter if you're, Chip Patterson or Rory McIlroy. I mean, you're just going to make some 12 footers. And th- that's what I saw from him. He, d- he did a lot of that. And it was, I thought it was interesting. His, uh, his interview after getting, getting run over by the Chinese sensation, which by the way, uh, Asia is coming. I don't yeah. know what that means for, uh, our beloved president's cup, but there was an interesting stat. I think it was by uh, this guy I follow on Twitter. V, his his hand, I don't know his actual name, but his handle is VC606. And he's like the John Nash of the world golf rankings. Like, 
Like he is deep in the world golf rankings math. And he uh, he made a point that the the so he, I think he he broke it down like when Jerry Palm first figured out RPI like decades ago <laughs> like he's like nope I've got it figured out and know exactly yeah. what they're doing yeah it's it's ludicrous how much he know he knows more about the world golf rankings than I know about anything in my in life but he said the youngest player I, th- I want to get this right youngest player in the top fifty is Asian uh, which is Hao Tong Lee. Youngest player in the top 100 is Asian, and the youngest player in the top 200 is Asian. And they're all 22, 20, and 19, or whatever. And Hao Tong Lee, he, he really is a, a great player. Like It's kind of funny to joke about it, because about him bucking his head, because people don't know who he is. But he won the, he won the China Open a couple years ago. Uh, going head-to-head with Rory is not a joke, especially when Rory... It's not like Rory shot a 75 on Sunday. He shot a 69. Uh, and, and played pretty well. Um, I don't. I forgot what we were talking about. I, I just wanted to go on my Hao Tong Lee rant. What were we talking about before that? We were ta- we were talking about Rory's performance and uh, and sort of spinning this forward into how we, you know, the, as as we start to to paint the picture for uh, what's going to be coming up and and the the action that we're going to be getting. Like the golf season is going to give us a lot of fireworks prior to. Um, Augusta, you know, the, the beginning of, of the casual, the casual golf fan season in that, uh, April weekend, like there's, there's going to be superstars, the best players in the world that have been playing very good golf so far already squaring off, uh, trying to compete for wins here in the next couple weeks. Yeah. So it was, it was his interview after the, the final round at Dubai. He said, he said, I'm, I'm pissed off about this. I should have won. I made a couple bad swings coming home, and I lost. And it, it, Rory is so uh, in, intriguing in terms of – and he said this, I think it was before Abu Dhabi. He was talking about 2017. Th- that, that was not a phrase that he ever said in 2017. I'm pissed off because I should have won. He finished top five, top ten at multiple events, but he never said, I'm pissed off, I should have won because he knew he didn't, he didn't have – the stuff and the the most interesting thing a part about him to me just about his personality and his the way he goes about playing golf he said before Abu Dhabi or during Abu Dhabi that he he goes I, I would go out and play at like the PGA Championship or the BMW at that kind of the end of 2017 where he was sort of in contention but not really and you're just like this maybe this just need to shut it down. He said, I would go out and play and he goes, you feel almost bad or guilty for being in the lead or near the lead because you know, you haven't put in the work. Mm. And that is such a, he's talked about this in the, he's talked about this in the past of feeling almost guilty for having this gift that he doesn't really know what to do with. And I think he's sort of worked that out. Like, that's sort of something you work out internally, and he and he sort of worked it out. But I, I I find that statement about feeling bad about being in the lead because you haven't put in the work it, just fascinating. Like that, like just that statement alone. I don't I don't me. read I'm, that as having the mental fortitude to win. What, what What do you mean? Like I don't I don't see like if you're feeling guilty about being in first place, that that sure seems like. Uh, if we're talking about like razor thin margins, that sure sounds like 
uh, not where you want to be in terms of um, making sure that you're going to finish the ch- the weekend as the winner. Like I, I, I kind of associate the, I kind of associate with the the step on the gas, like knowing how to step on the gas, when to step on the gas, like just fearlessly being able to put tournaments away. That's that's kind of what I associate. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I think it just speaks to the way he's wired and his personality. I think that I think that obviously his personality is very different from Tiger's. Tiger would never say that. Like that's just not something that would come out of his mouth. And Rory is very, uh, I I guess egalitarian in terms of you know he's 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 not a he's not a hyper competitive person away from the golf course in his own personal life. He, I think oh, he you've just talked about that. He like when he's playing poker or playing cards yeah, or hanging out yeah. with friends, like he, he almost like wants to make sure everyone wins. Yep. Totally. Yeah. He's, he's said that before. And so it, it almost speaks to, I was talking to somebody at the PGA show about who had dinner with a, with a current tour player. And they said, this tour player said, look, like, Rory is Rory is the best in the world. Like it's not it's not really like an argument between the top guys. Like he's he's the one. Like he's the chosen one, so to speak. And it it, it almost speaks to how good he is in terms of like like you said. Like he doesn't have like some guys win because they're just mentally um, like they 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 mentally get get out of their world and they think they're a lot better than they actually are right and that and that like that like that like buoys them to to make them better i don't know how that works uh from a uh psychological standpoint but it's it does and and he is always incredibly self-aware about where his game is and and the, and like he said like the work that he's put in and i think it just speaks to how physically gifted he is at the sport that um, he's won four majors without sort of overstate or, or being overconfident and and bringing his physical game up to that overconfidence. Like he's always he always knows like where his game is at. I don't know if that if all of that makes sense together, but I do think it speaks to how uh, just that he does have the gift. So all that to say, I thought it was encouraging, maybe even more encouraging than his actual play on the course. To hear him say, hey, I'm pissed off because I have put in the work. I know where my game is at. And my game is at a place where I should be winning a, a pretty high-level European Tour event like this. So what are we going to get uh, from Rory as we – again, we've got um, – we'll get expert picks for Phoenix Open here in a little bit. Um, Genesis Open at Riviera. It's next time we'll see Tiger. Honda Classic. Yep. WGC Mexico. Uh, Valspar. Then we go to Bay Hill. Um Let's see. And then we're in the middle of March. When do we see Rory next? Uh, he'll be at Genesis with Tiger, with Spieth, with JT, with DJ. Woo! Put, that in my, Woo! Put, that in my, put that in my veins. Uh, Just put it in an IV. Hook it up. It's getting real steamy here at the Palatial Patterson Studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. I need to bring the fan in. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's incredible. It, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. So we got Phoenix, which is a great field. Fowler, Rom, Mickelson, um, Spieth, JT, and then you got Pebble, which is obviously Pebble. And then you got 
Riviera, which is just going to be lit. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's, you know, maybe the best non-major course of the year with, uh, potentially the best non WGC non-major field of the year. So I'm, I'm all in. Is, uh, is Tiger going to do, is Tiger going to do PGA national? Yeah, I think I think his I don't know if he's announced this, but I think the presumption is that his schedule, his for sure schedule is going to be uh Genesis Honda and Bay Hill. Mm-hmm. And then anything anything other than that is going to be uh I, I I don't know if I would call it a surprise, but would be like, "Oh, Tiger's playing in Houston, Valspar." And and it, it's hard this year because like obviously he's looking at Augusta or he's got it at least in the in the in his sights and there's because he doesn't get in the WGCs uh, which I think there are two before yeah. the Masters it's the 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 ramp up time is we more got, complicated we got like Mexico are, and match play in Austin yeah so that's usually like eight rounds that you're guaranteed because there's no cut. And with the way the match play is set up now, you, you're guaranteed. What is it? Uh, I guess I guess you're only guaranteed three there. So uh, it would be guaranteed seven rounds that he's just not going to have. And so I don't know if he fills that with a different tournament or or what he does. But I think that's I think that's actually a pretty interesting subplot of the first quarter of the year. Um, all right, let's turn our attention to the Waste Management Phoenix Open at Scottsdale this weekend. Um, this is the an absolute monster spot for Hideki Matsuyama. Um, we're over under, let's see. And again, you mentioned it. We got Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, um, big game hunter Mark Leishman. Good, good field, good field. But Hideki's yeah. won uh, two years in a row. So over under... Hideki Matsuyama. Mm. Do you think he will finish higher or lower than third 3.5 on the leaderboard? I knew you were going to say three and a half. I think the real question is over or under uh, three and a half hours of time. Sean Martin spends in the, in the post tournament uh, party with Hideki. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Sean Martin. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll say over. I, I I've got him finishing in the top ten. Because um, I was wondering if this would be a, a Hideki like, uh, like because he's won it twice in a row. I was thinking yeah. about setting it even lower and just imagining that it's either going to be a win or ejection type type week for him. Yeah, it's hard though because he's he's finished third and fourth in the year, or I think it was like T3 and fourth in the years that he didn't win this tournament. He's played it four times. His average finish is like two and a half. Jeez. So I know it is a better field this year than, it, than I think it has been in the past. Uh, Spieth has only played this tournament twice. Uh, I don't know how many JT's probably played, played it once or twice. So pretty loaded field. And Hideki's he's playing pretty well. I mean, he, I think he finished top uh, what, 15 or 20 at Tory. So I'll, I'll say over, I think he finishes like seventh or eighth, something like that. Um, what is up with Ricky Fowler? Three missed cuts. And I'm, uh, starting to st- again. And, and I think that you even talked to me off this ledge that like, we shouldn't, 
shouldn't be freaking out about missed cuts because making or missing cuts doesn't necessarily mean in 2018 uh, what it meant to individuals back in the 80s or 90s. Uh, right. You know, I, I think that's a very good point. But I would still say the uh, the performance, regardless of make or missed cuts, uh, recently for Ricky Fowler gives me um, a little bit of concern, especially if we're going to be considering him one of the you know five or six front runners in terms of the odds. Yeah, my Ricky to win the Masters take is not aging very well either. That it's was not only looking good. Like twenty seven days ago, uh, he's not hitting the ball very well. He's one hundred and thirty eighth in strokes gained uh, approaching the green, and this was his issue. Uh, this sort of went a little under the radar last year because he finished the season so well. But his issue at Augusta last year, he was he 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 was just not hitting the ball like like he normally does. And he he putted his ass off. So he was, you know, in the second in the yeah he was in the second to last group I think with Spieth on Sunday. And you're like, and then he kind of faded. I think he finished t eleven. But you're like, wow, how's he just piecing this together? And and to me, to me that was encouraging because you're like, wow, Ricky has figured out how to score without his best stuff, right? You know, but if you're if you're consistently going to take not your best stuff into Augusta and and you know that's where guys like him are, are sort of that's their that's what they're pointing towards this time of year like that's what they're ramping up to and so you want to have obviously everything clicking and he's just not hitting it very well right now I, I think it's crazy that he's missed four uh three cuts in a row at Tory. I mean that's not great you know and and, and not a place that I don't know. Like he, he had performed well there at the beginning of his career, and now he's not. And I don't know. I, I think he's going to be interesting this week. I, I don't think he has to have a big week, but uh, it, it's always nice to follow a miscut with a with a top ten finish. And again, he's a guy that's right in the conversation in terms of like, hey, you should be you should be top ten in every week, you know. And obviously, you're not going to do that, but that's sort of the expectation for guys like him. Who's your pick to win? Uh, gonna go out on a limb with the favorite Jordan Spieth. Mm, real risky. Yeah, he's another guy who uh, he didn't hit it that well at. Uh, no, excuse me, he did hit it really well in Hawaii. He didn't putt that well, and I feel confident that he's sort of he, he's sort of at a level that he's not gonna stray from uh, on average very often throughout seasons in terms of putting right like he's gonna he's gonna be like a top i don't know 40 or 50 putter like I, and there's still this mis, misperception about him that he's like the best putter in the world uh, he's not like he's not the best putter in the world he's at times he has been but it, I, I i don't think that in general people that are on the tour I think people look at him as a really good putter, but not necessarily the best in the world. So all that to say, he's like 205th in strokes gained putting right now, uh, or he's outside the top 200. That's not gonna. That's not gonna last. So I'm looking at that's gonna. There's gonna be a correction to the to the median there, and if that's the case, then he's due for a couple of good putting weeks. Uh, maybe not this week at Phoenix, but in the somewhat near future, and. His ball striking, it's just carried over from last year. He was top, I think he was number one on the tour in strokes gained on approach shots. 
he's doing the same thing so far in 2018. So I look at the correction with the putting combined with the fact that he's been incredibly consistent at the top of the of the PGA Tour in terms of ball striking, and you're like, wow, that's going to result in two or three or four wins uh, per year uh, as long as nothing changes. I think that we might have a uh... – I'm gonna I'm gonna call bold predictions. I'm thinking good play carries over, um, or at least the you know the the good play in spots for Tony Finau, and then I think Alex Noren could could ride this ride this little heater to contention. I don't know if he'll win, but I could I could see that happen. Like there's there's a you know John Rahm also out there coming off yep. uh com, coming off a, a wild week where at the beginning. Now on Thursday and Friday, kind of looks like he's going to go and uh, win that thing again. Very interested to see what we get out of him. And uh, you know, you know who this could be a a, a good week for is uh, Philip is, is is Webb. Oh uh, yeah, he almost won it last yeah, year. Yeah, almost won it. Fell uh, fell just short to Hideki a year ago. What's what are you expecting from Philip? Uh just some outrageous antics. Uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl prop wagers on himself <laughs> and like some sort of just insane um, prop bet on his score and Tom Brady touchdown total on Sunday. The okay, so if the Eagles cover five and a half and I hold this out, will you give me nine to one, Phil? I'm sorry, you can't use your phone on the course in the middle of a round. This is against the rules. We have talked about this. <laughs> Did you see the PGA Tour is supposedly cracking down on people discussing like betting and just just betting in general? No. How's that going to go over with with the thumb? Um, I don't. I I don't. I think that uh, rules be them from the PGA or the Securities and Exchange Commission just never really concerned him. <laughs> <laughs> if. Uh, if, I wish I wish if, if he had. doesn't seem too afraid of those federal laws, I don't know what those PGA ones are going to do. You, you know what they should do on on the 16th hole this year? What? 16th, the 16th hole is is wildly overrated, but it's still kind of cool. They you know how uh at at uh, the national title game like the the SEC chants, they should chant SEC at uh at Phil. <laughs> yeah. How much would he? How much would he? And you and Matt Kuchar should be in the stands leading that chant. <laughs> uh, I don't think. Nah, man, he can't. They can't do that to him on his. Uh, not not the Sun Devils, you know. <laughs> he's got he's got too much. But he would he would love it. He would revel in that. He would. It would be so funny. It would be so good. John Ron, by the way, finished uh, fifth, I believe, here as an amateur. He might have worn the Pat the uh, the Pat Tillman jersey for an entire round, and nobody knew who he was. Dang! I I, I definitely know he put it on on the 16th hole. He if he wanted to, he could have worn it the whole round. People there would have known him because he was at Arizona State. But uh, he almost won the event as an amateur back in uh, what I think it was like 14, 13, 15, something like that. Uh, so he's got a little history there as well. Good field. Should be fun. Yeah. Great lead into uh, the Brady Nick Foles showdown on Sunday night. Woo! What's your uh, Super Bowl pick? 
I don't, what's the line? I, I don't. I don't. I just don't follow the NFL that much. Do you know what the line is? Uh, the line's around four and a half. Uh, I mean, I, I always root for Brady. It's <laughs> yeah. I, I, another reason for people on the internet to dislike me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, 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 had a, I was having this conversation with my neighbor the other day. I was like, I just, I don't because I don't follow this stuff closely. I, I'm just drawn to greatness. I guess greatness whenever yeah. i do follow it so i'm like oh yeah brady's the brady's the man like brady is unbelievable um and brady you know brady is like the like the tom terrific he you know absolutely but i am i'm standing up uh as contrarian as trying to make this all about a tom brady versus time type thing mm. because yeah. drew Brees is not that much younger than him and he's playing at the top of his game right now. Like, yeah. there's yeah. something to be said for uh, the rules of the game and sort of the way it's evolved that have allowed not just Brady, but the quarterback position in general uh, to be able to withstand the physical. I mean, you got to take care of yourself. But I, I know that Drew Brees ain't on the TB12 diet in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But so the problem with that argument is that people look at Brady they they only look at Brady and Peyton right right like like that's that's the only comparison that people are willing to sort of look at and because Peyton's been retired for 2 years now and Brady looks like he's going to go for another 2 or 3 that gives a lot of fuel to the argument and mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I think it's a great point. Like Drew Brees and uh, Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers and all the like. These guys are uh, maybe not Roethlisberger, but to my knowledge, my limited knowledge, they're still playing at a really high level. But it's like oh, Brady's gonna Brady's you know you can play till he's a hundred or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Brady. I think he is. Uh, I think he's fascinating. I think he's the best ever. And and speaking of. Aging superstar still getting it done. Federer, number twenty, mm. Australian Open. Remember Incredible. when the remember when the the um, conversation was always like, who will end with more majors, him or Tiger? Oh wow, that one's been put away. Yeah, that's done. Sorry, bro. Yeah, it's it's over. It's done. Uh, Vince Carter, Jeff. Um, yeah. All right. So, what do you want to? I'm going to run. We're going Jonathan Wall first, then Susie Whaley. And then Bob Denny, uh, anything you want to say set these up? Uh, Jay Wall was great. He talked about his Tiger interview. He had a one-on-one with Tiger over Christmas or over uh, the holidays in December at some point. Oh man, and he, he was, talked- and that interview had a lot of trust in the hands, and I loved it. I yeah, was laughing, he did, he I was really lapping it up. Yeah, he was he was awesome. Um, I always enjoy talking to him. He. He's a guy who knows a lot more things than he probably says publicly, but he does, he he frames things in a way that is um, just really enjoyable to read and listen to. Like I always just enjoy talking to him. Uh, Susie Whaley was great. She's the PGA of America, uh, I believe, vice president. I hope I didn't get that title wrong. But she's in line to be, I believe, the first female president of the PGA of America. Which is a big deal. And she played, I forgot this, or I didn't know it, I guess. She played in the 2003 Greater Hartford Open uh, on the PGA Tour. And she beat like three or four PGA Tour players in that tournament. Oh. 
she she didn't make the cut, but she still uh, scored better than uh, I think three or four guys, which was which is crazy. Playing from the the back tees or the the men's tees. Get it, Susie. She she was maybe the most effervescent person that I met at the PGA show. Just just so much energy around her. Like I, f- I felt like I needed a, like a nap after trying to, to match energy with her. That's cool. It it was, it was, yeah, she was incredible. And then Bob, my, my, uh, my PGA historian buddy, I thought about throwing stuff at him like, uh, Hey, uh, third round 96 PGA. What did, uh, what Phil shoot? Thought you were supposed to be the historian here. You don't, you don't know that. No, he, he knows a ton about uh, not only past PGA championships, but just play, just players from the 40s, 50s, 60s, guys that we don't talk about a lot. And so we talked about some of that. And then he revealed that the PGA is this summer, the spring, I believe, putting out a bracket of the best PGA championships ever. So 16 PGA championships were selected and uh, fans are basically going to be able to vote on which one they liked best or which one was the best. And I, I told him on the on the interview, I said, well, this is, I mean, we know what's going to win, right? And I think, obviously, Tiger in 2000 is going gonna, is gonna to win going away. But it's still going to be interesting. And it'll, it'll be kind of a fun thing in the lead up to this year, the 100th PGA Championship. Uh, just kind of a fun thing to keep an eye on. Should be a lot of fun. Enjoy. Uh, and be sure you subscribe. We'll be back next week uh, to recap all the action out in Scottsdale. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. Talk to you later. Kyle Porter here with CBS Sports, back uh, talking to Jonathan Wall of PGATour.com. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing great, man. Uh, Jonathan covers equipment for PGATour.com. Uh, you have been to how many of these? Uh, over think- or under 10? I think just over over ten now. Wow! Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah, no, it, you you see it change. I mean, it's tough because it's been in the same spot right here. So same same convention same center? convention center. It, it you know not a lot changes when it comes to to this show. It's you know, demo day still out at Orange County. They have a huge driving range. Then they roll here for the next three days, and they uh, you know you get to see everything in the booths. But yeah, it, not a lot changes. Equipment does, but I was going to say else. you're telling me that something about golf does not change; it stays the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this, I'm stunned by yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It, it, it's it's a big surprise, but yeah, this this place it feels like it's frozen in time. Seriously, people come back every year yeah. and they're like, yeah, it's, booths are in the same spots. It, yeah, it, it doesn't change. So there seems to be this sort of divergence. You've got the big Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade companies, and then you've got people who maybe just have their own deal like they just made something up and it's a device that people use i know why those people are here what do titles and callaway and 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 the big the big time companies what are they trying to do this week you know i mean you want to have a presence here. yeah it's one of those this is one of those weeks where i feel like there are some people that maybe view the the pga show it's like okay i've seen that why do i need to to come and see it again right but then you feel like you're missing out on something yeah. or you might miss out on something yeah. so i feel like that's why titles and callaway are here is to, to show that presence like hey yeah. we got the big booths um you can't really walk anywhere between the far end and the other side without really passing through callaway right i mean it's strategic yeah you, you want people to to constantly see your stuff so i feel like that's why they're there is is again just to show that presence that that they're kind of one of the big guys here and that yeah. they have a ginormous booth. 
What's your favorite thing about this week, other than flying out on Thursday or Friday? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think really it's just kind of getting to connect with the people. This yeah. is a really good week. I mean, for me being as much on tour as yeah. I am, you see a lot of these products right. in the early, like when the prototyping stage, so yeah. before it's even a retail option. So I'm not really here so much to, to see, although there's some new stuff that you see that does kind of catch your eye. Um, but it's more, it's more to just kind of connect with people, and you know this this industry is is all about relationships, and you know that. And yeah. So it, it's important to you know to kind of keep those relationships going. Well, and I was telling somebody this. So we cover when we cover golf, it's about ten people or eight or twelve or say, whatever. Ten, ten might be. Uh, yeah, ten. <laughs> Justin Rose is uh, you know on the edge there. Yeah, yeah. And then you come here and you're like, oh yeah, this world is bigger than those eight, nine, ten people, and it's it's kind of eye-opening, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely if you cover the tour, it feels very insulated. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, and then we realize that, that they're playing golf, and golf is a game that anybody can play, and there's there's a whole lot to this industry that, that doesn't even pertain to the tour pro. Um, you know, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff here that, you know, you're going to see at your normal, I mean, for instance, Parade is a, is a company that I think everybody sees. They make the golf ball washers. Yeah, you know they, they make a lot of products that that you see on a right anytime you go to a golf course. Yeah, but you wouldn't. I mean, you pass the booth and you're just like, oh, yeah. Parade. Like yeah. that. That's a new company, but yeah. you know you see it. So yeah, it is. It's it's cool to to get to see all the you know the non tour products and you know other things that are out there. there again, there, there's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of innovative people that are trying to kind of break through in the industry, and this is kind of their their opportunity for as many eyeballs right. to to kind of pass through and you know handle their their new product as possible. Is there anything that you've seen this year that has stood out to you in terms of wow, I, I, maybe that's a new invention or maybe it's just a new company that I hadn't really noticed yeah. before? You know, the the one product and I think it's a price tag that just shocked me was there was a driver shaft that I saw yesterday at Demo Day that was twelve hundred dollars <laughs> starting point. So four figures for a driver what, shaft. What, what's what company? Okay, so the, the company's called Seven Dreamers. Okay, they're they're, it's, they're based out at sounds like they're dreaming. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so it sounds like they're dreaming just a little bit. I mean that that price is super expensive. Yeah. So the obvious question is. Well, what makes it different than the other shafts? Well, they basically have what they call, you know, not to get super technical, it's an autoclaving process. Basically, what they're able to do is they're able to make a completely pure shaft. So when they put the carbon fiber in the shaft and they build it, a lot of times you have people that actually roll like a plastic layer on the outside of yeah. that material and then they heat it and then it gets sanded down. Well, that carbon fiber ends up kind of getting messed up in the process. Okay. Well, this autoclaving process basically builds the shaft without anybody having to touch it. So it's wow. pure. It's about as pure as you're going to get. So they're saying, well, if we do this process that nobody else does, like yeah. this company, they don't make golf shots. This is kind of like their side business. Uh, okay. They're in the aerospace, so they're like building satellites and wow. parts for rocket ships. Yeah. It, so this is kind of their fun side of the business. And so they thought, well, let's take some of the stuff. So that one, and I think Top Golf. You know, we all know Top Golf. Yeah. It, you know, to me, it is golf's version of bowling. You, know, you don't have to be a golfer. You can go and hang out with your friends. So now Top Golf is bringing their top tracer technology. So if you go there and you look at the screens that kind of show where the ball's going and it gives you a little bit yeah. of like yardage distance, they're bringing that technology to driving range now. Yeah. So driving range operators can it's now awesome. pick it up and you can go out to the range and you can play the seventh at Pebble. Yeah. You can hit specific shots instead of just going out there and whacking it's, balls. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's a really cool technology. And they, I was even talking to them and they said, 
man, it's like double the amount of time people spend at the range. It's just kind of like top golf. But, yeah. but for the driving range, make it fun. Like yeah. this game is, is you know so stuffy sometimes. Yeah. Like again, add that layer of fun to it, yeah. and uh, and I think that's what you want. So yeah, I mean, I think top golf that's going to be a really cool idea. Um, and I'm curious to see how many driving ranges at it. When did they buy that technology? Because I, I, had he- I had heard it kind of integrated in broadcast. People started calling it Top Tracer, and I was like, right. what, are, what are they talking yeah. about? And they had bought Pro Tracer or mm. whatever the company that right. started Pro Tracer. Yeah. When did that happen? It's been pretty recently that, okay. they've, that they've kind of started to integrate this technology in. I mean, I asked them how many ranges they have, and they said it's still very early stages. Like, they've got one. They said that a guy, like, doubled his revenue. Just wow. by adding this top tracer technology. That's crazy. And, I mean, it is. It's crazy that you could, you know, have a range making, you know, maybe decent money and then double your revenue just because you're adding these screens. But again, you're you're adding a fun factor to it that you normally don't get. Yeah. You're just constantly pounding balls. Like, you don't want to be a tour player when you go out and play. Like, sometimes it's cool to work on, like, <laughs> hey, man, let's throw the glove underneath my you yeah, know, left yeah. arm and really work on keeping the, it inside. The Padraig Harrington yeah, swing yeah, shirt. Yeah, you know, the swing shirt, whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes you just want to go out and you want to hit some balls and just relax. I mean, how cool is it if you can look up at a screen That's awesome. and see the seventh of Pebble? And, you know, the one thing that I also like about it is they have a through-the-bag. So you can also do, like, play with your buddies and hit, you know, little chip shots to, you know, imaginary greens that are set up on the screen. But they also have a way where if you're a new golfer and you don't know your yardages, you hit 40 balls with each club in your bag, and then it gives you a readout of how far you hit okay. each club, which that's the one thing if you go out and play, like people don't know if you've never played golf before, yeah. like how far should I hit a six iron? If yeah. I'm, you know, is that the club I should hit from 130 yards? Probably not. But, you know, that's kind of cool that they give you that opportunity to be able to see your yardages. So, yeah, yeah that- that's another good one. Don't don't get your uh, your own yardages from like watching DJ on TV. Right, that's yeah. a bad I idea. Mean, no, I, I wouldn't use DJ as as an example. Nor would I probably use like you know a David Tom's or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, go, go not out good. And do this, yeah, yeah, definitely. I was actually at the uh, the KBS um, booth at Demo Day yesterday, and I was trying out some of their shafts. And I the thought that I had was. Jonathan Wall knows more about shafts in golf clubs than I know about anything in my life. How, how, how do you, because I think to some people, like you, you, you know all these technical things and yet you still have the relational side. How did you, how do you know all that? Like, how did you gather that knowledge? It's crazy. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I usually just spend a lot of time in my office at home, just like <laughs> combing through physics books. And uh, no, it, I, you know, a lot of it, you, you once you kind of start to figure out the the genesis behind a product you yeah. start to notice that there are a lot of other companies that use similar technology sometimes something yeah. new pops up and once you once you understand how things are working um, when, when you see a new design or, or something that's been updated typically they're not making huge wholesale changes to, to you know let's say a shaft like sometimes they'll come out with new materials like for instance, Recently, there's been this new material that actually won a Nobel Prize to physicists. It's called graphene, and they started putting this material into driver shafts. And Cowley's actually put it in a golf ball, and I had never heard about it until I started hearing about the shaft. So things like that will pop up where, like, I'm not joking. Like, I started going onto physics websites <laughs> and and looking and researching graphene because I'm like, I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to truly understand this material, I need to understand it more than just what the equipment companies are telling me. So... There are times when you got to do that, but you know, for the most part, I'm like a lot of other golf golfers out there. I'm just a huge club nerd. Yeah, and I just so happen to like to work in a job that 
where I get to tell people about golf clubs. So what, what's the what's the nerdiest you've ever felt? Because you are a uh, you're pretty deep in the Getty Images game, <laughs> where. Yeah. Uh, Sergio's playing in Indonesia, mm-hmm. and you're like, I think I see some, I think I see some blue on the yeah. underneath yeah. of the of the club head. You know, I used to get a lot of grief because people would go, man, I, like seriously, like what are you doing? And now, for instance, last week Rory was in yeah. Abu Dhabi, the putter, putter. Yeah, you know, I was like combing through the Getty images trying to find something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Rory's got to have something new in the bag. I mean, he's been off for four months. He's yeah, got to have something new. And then I see the putter, and I'm like, that looks like a red insert. So. You just pick up on these things now, yeah. and I mean, the like, I think it's kind of sad. I'll be honest. The <laughs> fact that I know exactly what most of these guys are playing on a week to week basis, so when they do change something out, uh, I see it. I'm like, oh, that's that's a new club, and I'm reaching out to to some yeah. you know, tour rep to get the story on it. Um, but you know, you want to be like fully connected. People come to me to, yeah. to know yeah, what yeah, the guys yeah. are playing, so I want to give them what they want. Yeah, that's cool, and yeah. and it's a fun it's a fun niche because players love to talk about it. I mean. Yeah. They get tired of the, do you want to win this week? Is Hideki going to win this week? They, they want to talk about their equi- – I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of – even the non-super nerdy guys still like to talk about it. Oh, yeah. And that leads me into – you did a, a one-on-one with Tiger. Right. Uh, in Was it in December that it happened? Yep, in, in the beginning of December when okay. I was a medalist. Uh, wrote a great story that's on PGHour.com. It was, it was really cool. And I think all of us were – uh, both jealous, but admired it as well. What what was that experience like? I, I mean, it, it had to be pretty crazy. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people just assume that because I get a lot of intel that I must be at a lot of these testing sessions, right. seeing things going on behind right. the scenes. Quite frankly, you know, I don't get to spend a lot of time with the players when they are testing new product. Yeah. Unless I see them out at a tournament, you, know, you, you typically don't see these guys – when they're off the golf course. Right. So I hear about it, and I'm like, okay, wouldn't that be cool? You know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, I mean, to, to be there with Tiger. Yeah. And uh, it was. It was a really cool experience. I think for me, just I always like to see how different guys are. You know, DJ is – I think he's more technical than people think he is, but he's still a guy who just wants a golf club that looks good that yeah. he can just whack. Yeah. Where Tiger is, you know, he's a guy who's really detail-oriented. Yeah. I mean, I still remember – watching him brand new six iron they had just ground this new head for him. they only had one club yeah i mean the rest of the set wasn't even complete yet and he hits one shot and he's like that's a different window and he's talking about that it's launching too high yeah and it's like wait a second he can tell that from one shot and so you watch him go through the process and they even gave him a driver at the end where i thought it was the coolest thing and he of course being the, the golf nerd where he holds it in his hand and he goes yeah, there's a bubble in the script. I, I don't want to hit it. And I'm I'm like I'm pretty sure that the average golfer could not notice a bubble <laughs> a bubble in the grip. It's like the princess in the pea. Yes, it's exactly. insane. It is. And so I, I think that's that's what I realized quickly was that Tiger just feels things that that a lot of golfers just don't. I mean, the fact that he his waggle, which yeah, is such that a, was that part was cool. Yeah, I which thought that was awesome. A, like. A, you don't really think about it. You know, yeah. Duffner had you right. know, the waggle, the really like serious waggle for a while. Yeah. You know, some guys throughout their career, that's been where the swing has started for yeah. Tiger. He uses his waggle to pretty much tell him if a golf club's worth testing or yeah. not. Um, that, that to me, just showed that he's just a different dude. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and the combination of him talking about feel and track man. And, and there was somebody else. Um, 
it might have been an interview with Claude Harmon talking about his dad, Butch, using you, trying to use both. Like right. never, never really like succumbing to because some guys are like track man only. Like that's all I use, yeah. and, and and I feel like the combination of, of using both of them. Right. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was a really interesting part and, of it. And you, Tiger admits. I mean, look, he he still uses a fifty degree pitching wedge. I yeah. mean, we're, that's like a that's like a gapish wedge yeah. for most tour players. Yeah. It's pretty old school in a spec, still in the same way as you mentioned, just kind of with his testing. He, but he understands the balance. Yeah. He understands the balance of being able to see the numbers. And what I thought was cool was when he finished up, um, he asked the guys on the range to email him all that TrackMan data. Okay. So he and so I asked him about it, and I said, "Do you like? You go through it with, you know, how do how do you kind of right. discern from that data what what you're trying to do or what you're getting out of a certain club?" And he he said, "Look, I, I comb through that data. Yeah. I look at it myself. He's big data, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's." It, I never realized that Tiger was big data, but he. That's but why he's. Is. That's why he's playing uh, practice rounds with Bryson. I know he's trying. He's They're trying hanging. To, it, we didn't know it until now. Big but. science, and big data. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Okay, yeah. uh, we'll get you out of here on this. But uh, you mentioned equipment changes earlier. Who's one guy on the PGA Tour this year that uh, changed equipment that you're like, oh, maybe you know, maybe a, maybe a change would help him, or maybe uh, and and I. You know that's hard because you're going yeah. from one to another, but just especially with Nike exiting and yeah. everybody just kind of being all over the place. Who's somebody that you see kind of honing in this year and and and, and having maybe a better year because they're settled with their equipment? You know, I honestly don't even know if it's if I would name a guy who's settled somewhere new that I think would that's going to play well. I really think that we should keep an eye on the guys that continue to leave full bag equipment deals. And go the free agent route. Yeah, I mean, what, why is like why? I, I think because we're we're seeing a lot of these guys have success, and it's not just like a couple years down the road, like instant success. Right. And I'll, I'll you know the obvious two are Tony Finau and yeah. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. I mean, they had career years last year after they left Nike. What is what is Finau using? So Finau's using predominantly ping equipment in the bag. Okay. Um, which is, I'm actually kind of surprised that he hasn't signed with him because. You know, he, he's playing most of their equipment right yeah. now. The only, I think, like, non-ping club that he has right now is is the putter. Okay. Um, but, you know, the rest the rest of it, I mean, Brooks is a little bit more mixed through the bag. But we also saw Chris Kirk yeah. departed from PXG. Chris played pretty well almost almost immediately. Yeah. You know, Duffner's not under contract anymore with, with Titleist. Right. You know, there, there are these guys that are that are either their deals are expiring and they're not re-upping or they're not coming to some sort of an agreement and we're seeing them play well with kind of a, a bag that you or I would play. I mean, yeah. you're not going to probably play one brand throughout the bag. We're right. going to test and see what feels right. So I think these guys are realizing that, man, I'm, I want to make money on the golf course. Yeah. You know, maybe I was having success with my last you know, deal, but, hey, if I can go out and play exactly what I want to play, and that may not be something that I was playing previously, maybe it helps you win a tournament yeah. or two, or like Brooks helps you win a major. That's got to be hard to turn down a potential deal where you're getting automatic money and you're basically betting on yourself that I'm going to be better with this equipment and be able to make up that money without getting the deal. Yeah. No, and I think I think players <laughs> it, let's put it this way. If Brooks and Tony didn't have career years, yeah. I don't think you'd have as many guys being okay. Yeah. with going this route right i think you'd see more probably considering some of the other deals that are coming to them yeah but again like betting on yourself some of these guys just realize look i, I got a good game yeah let's let's just give it a shot and if it doesn't work for a year you know even rory 
I mean, he he said he was going to try and go for a year or two, and I'm sure the money that Taylor May gave him was really good. Yeah. And you kind of just have to take the deal at that <laughs> point. I mean, you'd be crazy not to. Again, yeah. like you said, it's, it's guaranteed money. Right. But it's it's one of those things where, where some of these guys aren't getting a Rory deal. Yeah. So it's easier for them to just say, let's hold off and see if I can make more by, you know, winning a tournament or two. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all I got. Appreciate you uh, joining us. Of course. Thank you. And uh, good luck the rest of the week. Thanks, man. This is exciting. It gives you energy. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. This is my first time here. It's been fun. It's your first time here? It's my first time. Are you a golfer? I, I cover it, but I, yeah. I, I play a little, but not, yeah, not but a not ton. Not a ten. Yeah, yeah but that's all right. Well, now I, we have to get you playing golf. I've got well, I've got young kids, so it's just yeah. it's a matter of time. I tell you what, if you can't get excited about golf here, I know it, we missed the plot. Uh, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> we gotta re, we gotta rethink the whole thing if we I, can't get somebody excited about golf. I agree. I agree. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to touch on besides um, besides PGA Championship? It's good. Just whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can talk about whatever you like, but okay. you know, yeah. we can talk about. Voting the game, we can talk about depends on what time you have. Okay, totally up to you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, our mission is to serve our members and grow the game. So, we can talk about some of our, you know, junior initiatives yeah, if you want. Yeah. We can talk about. I'd like to our talk membership. about that uh, in terms of like women in the yeah, game great. as well. So, you ready? Okay. Uh, Kyle Porter with CBS Sports uh, back here uh, to talk to Susie Whaley, Vice President of PGA of America. Uh, really excited to have you on. Yeah, thanks for thanks coming. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. We're just talking about this event. It, it's it's crazy here. There's so many people, so <laughs> many booths. How would you describe yeah. this to somebody who has never been here before? If you love golf, you need to be in Orlando today. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the PGA Golf Show, it's 10 miles worth of space. We have everything. We have golf commerce here. We have education. We have PGA professionals. We have 90 countries represented, 50 states, 50,000 golf industry professionals on site. Uh, So it's networking. It's exciting. It's, you know, purchasing for their facilities. It's meeting employers. It's job finding. It's, it's, you know, it's it's golf all in a big, huge package in the industry. And, And then... And many from the industry are here, yeah. uh, you know, really high-level executives from the industry sharing ideas, collaborating. So it's a wonderful place to be. We were just talking about getting energy. Like, like this makes you excited about playing golf. What about this experience, this entire week, makes you most excited? Well, for me, I'm just bullish on the game, right? The game's moving forward. This is the biggest event we've had since 2007. So as a lot of our PGA professionals, we have 29,000 across the country. Those certainly geographically, they're heading into their season coming up in April and May. This is really exciting to see this much buzz and this many people uh, participating uh, within the confines of our show because it's really showcasing the fact that golf is on the uptick. Yeah, totally. And, and, And speaking of golf being on the uptick, I've noticed numbers recently, especially around the, the women's game and professionally. It seems like it seems like more people are interested in that. What what right. about the future of the women's game excites yeah. you the most? Well, I think you know, last year alone, whether it was an on course capacity, meaning playing golf on a golf course, yeah. or whether it was going to a facility like a Top Golf, one of our partners, for example, we had thirty point three million people. That's crazy. Uh, be a part of the game, which yeah. is amazing. Now, certainly, we have our challenges, and we want far more to participate on yeah. golf courses in the game. But and women, certainly, we want to get out there, be invited, be welcome to golf right. facilities. So we work very hard at the PGA of America to deliver opportunities for all. Yeah, we want 
golf to be inclusive, and we certainly want women to feel like we want them at our facilities, and that the game has value. Yeah. You know, health and wellness. Right. Uh, it's wonderful for families. It's challenging. Uh, it's something that you can learn with friends. You can do business on the golf course. Yeah. So we're always really hoping that women will see that, come seek out a PGA professional, right. uh, participate. Let us help you. Let us help you learn how right. to play the game. And last year alone, 2.5 million new golfers played on a golf course. That's and awesome. of that number, 37% were women. And that's really wow. exciting. Certainly, I want it to be yeah. 50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But that's exciting. Yeah. And that's really showcasing the fact that women are getting out right. there. Um, we have junior golf programs. We have PGA Junior League, which is boys and girls uh, that are 13 and under yeah. playing together that's on awesome. teams. And uh, they get to share shots and strategies. And even of that, we have 30% of, of the, that is girls. Yeah. So we're climbing. Uh, yeah. We're really getting women and girls out on the course. And when we just want to get more. Uh, we're working every day to do that that's cool so you you have uh, an extensive background in teaching the game Mm -hmm. uh, to all manner of golfers Uh, how much of that are you still able to do and how much of of your time is taken up just by your your day-to-day job (laughs) right so I do I'm a PGA professional and I'm an LPGA professional and I love to coach and teach the game it's my passion Uh, we have about 550 children in our programming back in Connecticut uh, and we have adults in our programming as well so I, I I don't think I could ever give that up. It's what I love to do. Um, I have a team back there that I work with that helps me when I'm traveling uh, and make sure our core values and everything we want to offer to these families is of great value. Um, So we have the opportunity to do that, and I I look forward to it. Anytime I can be in a lesson to you all day introducing the game to somebody new or helping somebody improve their game or helping an expert uh, go play in the U.S. Open, uh, I'm ready to go. And uh, I think all of our PGA professionals feel that way, that coach and teach for a living you know we get up in the morning thinking about it and we go to bed thinking about it uh, because we love it and it makes us it really gives us satisfaction to see people enjoy the game is it easier to teach somebody who has just started out or somebody who has been playing for a while and kind of knows what they're doing you know, I love doing both. Yeah. I think uh, it really just depends. You know, we have I have people in our programming who will tell me right out of the gate, I'm, I'm not athlete, athletics wasn't really my thing. Right. Do you think I can do this? That's always my one of my favorites because of course you can. You yeah. know, let me help you manage it. Let yeah. me help you understand what we can accomplish together. And right. as partners, we're going to get you to your goals, yeah. right? And then when you have a, a proficient uh, champion, elite athlete. Uh, certainly they can maneuver their body in ways that they've been accustomed to, their yeah. training, uh, their expertise. But even then, you have your challenges for mindset and strategy and shot making. And, and so that's challenging. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it, the person in front of me is who matters the most, right. uh, not their skill level. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the PGA Championship. Obviously, yeah. the 100th anniversary coming up this year, going to St. Louis. What, what is most exciting about this yeah. to you? Because it's, it's a really, we, we talk about the major so much right. uh, in, in covering golf. And, and what about this one specifically are you excited about? Well, excited to celebrate the 100th yeah. PGA Championship. Obviously, it's a huge milestone for right. the association at Belle Reve. Our PGA professional director of golf, Mike Tucker, is there on site helping us run this event. Um, we're just excited about the fact that the PGA of America provides through the PGA Championship great finishes, yeah. great fields amazing champions and certainly we look to have that happen again at Bell Reef but that's what creates that buzz you know with the strongest field in golf and uh, at the 100 championship we look to have the same what what about Bell Reef is is so special or so unique because uh, I think that it's probably a course that maybe people haven't heard you know people have heard of Quail Hollow and they've heard of Valhalla right. and all these other places I think 
especially maybe people my age, don't know that much about right. the course. Well, you know, Bell Reef, any of Carrie Haig, our chief championships yeah. officer, uh, and our board of directors, we spend an enormous amount of time in their site selection process right. because we're always looking for championship venues that are not only fan-friendly, yeah. but that the players also find challenging right, right. and enjoy playing. Yeah. Um, and that we feel like are really worthy of having a major championship. And Bell Reef certainly being picked really just states that. You yeah. know, if you haven't heard of Bell Reef, you will soon enough. You're going to hear about it yeah. in August. Yeah. And you're going to see that it's incredibly challenging, but the players like that. Um, they, you know, they want they want that test in a major. Uh, they want to showcase that skill in that particular situation. And again, inevitably, because of Kerry Haig and our team, we always end up with this unbelievable finish with these amazing yeah. championships and great golf courses set that up. Is, is there a particular finish that has stood out to you over the past few years? Yeah, probably Davis Love's yeah. finish at Wingfoot because uh, I went to Chapel Hill, yeah. and Davis Love went to Chapel Hill, and go. I played golf with Mark. Yeah. So for me, the rainbow, his dad cool. being a PGA professional, uh, Davis winning that after his dad had passed away is something that I'll never forget. Yeah, that was awesome. That was, was really awesome. cool. How much do you still get asked about the 2003 uh, Greater Hartford Open? Because that, that was something that has sort of marked. You, you've had all these markers along the way in your career, and that was and that was a big one. How much do you still get asked about it? I do get asked about that often. You know, it was some, something I'm incredibly proud of, obviously, yeah. that I played and participated in that. It was one of the biggest challenges that I've ever faced in my golfing career yeah. uh, to be able to play against. Uh, men on the PGA Tour from a championship yardage on a championship golf yeah. course certainly was a challenge, but I took it on, and uh, I'm so thrilled that I did. I think, you know, at the time, my daughters were six and nine. Uh, this was in 2003. Yeah. And, you know, I did it for a multitude of reasons. I did it because I wanted to show my daughters that you take opportunities when they come, right. no, no matter how scary right. they may right. be. Yeah. Um, you prepare the best you possibly can. You surround yourself with a support system that can help you get through it. I also wanted to showcase the fact that, that women play the game at a very high level yeah. and that we were proud to play the game at a high level and uh, that that I belonged in that place because I earned the right to play. Yeah. And so for me, you know, it was definitely nerve-wracking yeah. and hard and, and exciting and amazing. And so when I get asked about it, I always smile because it's something I remember fondly. Well, I went back and read a New York Times story about it, and, and you were quoted as saying that uh, your daughter's being there was one of the coolest parts of it. Yeah. And I'm curious about do they look back on it now and kind of roll their eyes about it? Or, they, or is it something that they're really proud about yeah. and, and you guys get to share together? You know, I don't want to speak for my girls, <laughs> but I, what I would tell you is this. My daughters are old enough now to appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, even then, they, they, of course, were six to nine, as I right, said. And, right. You know, my youngest probably remembers it more in person from photos. Yeah. My oldest remembers it, yeah. and that's so, both that's, of them play cool. high-level golf. Yeah. Uh, our oldest played Division One golf, and she's out of college now, and yeah. our youngest currently plays Division One golf. Okay. And they've played the back tees with me yeah. at TPC River Highlands awesome. since I qualified. And and that's, I think, when they said, well, Mom, <laughs> you did this in front of 50,000 people. And I said, I did, yeah. you know. And, I, and so I think for my daughters, you know, all you ever hope for as a parent that your children strive for the best, yeah. strive for excellence, that they're happy and passionate about what they do. And if that gives them a little inspiration, then, then I'm thrilled to have been a part of it. But uh, I think my girls do know that it was pretty neat. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's cool. Okay. We good? Good. Good to go? All right. Good to go. Thanks, Susie. Thanks so yeah, much. It was a treat. Your- Kyle Porter here with CBS Sports. Uh, we're here with uh, Bob Denny, PGA historian. Bob, how's it going today? Just fine. It's, uh, it's Thursday of the yeah. largest show in golf. We're, we're counting down uh, until the end of the week. Bob? 
you've got such an interesting title, PGA, uh, PGA of America historian, I guess is the official title. What does that job entail? What, what does your day-to-day -day look like? What, what all do you do? It's probably the most diverse job ever had because <laughs> anybody can call in with anything and yeah. ask me something. I'm dating myself, but I think there was a commercial called The Shell Answer Man, and I think I was a, come, try to come find those answers for yeah. everybody and dig around until I can find them. The best thing I can tell you is I think I know where the answers are, and right. I also can tell the person honestly if I don't have them. Right. So. And, and how much research goes into that? How, how much of your job is researching and learning and, and, and trying to figure out what you don't know? Well, golf history is like searching for Rosebud in Citizen Kane's basement. Yeah. And I say that um, with tongue in cheek yeah. because there's so many d d diverse areas of the game, historical people and, and, and historians around the world covet things mm -hmm. and they share only when they want to share. Right. And you have to work hard. So the, the research time spent it varies uh, depending on the subject. Yeah. If it's institutional uh, things for the PG of America, I think I have a pretty good handle on where we've been since 1916. Right. Because I read that every day and look at it about every other day, and we have a good set of archives for that. How did you get into this? What, what was the impetus for you getting into well, this, such a thing? Uh, I think I think our leadership knew that I really loved history, yeah. and, and I, I wanted to protect the heritage of the PG of America. And I, I've been there since 1992. Okay. I've been fortunate to witness some pretty amazing championships, great moments for our PGA yeah. members who are not major champions, right. and be able to uh, just sort of bring it all together and make sure we don't lose that. Because uh, I think every day you can safely say your, is history is being made. Yeah, totally. What, what's the significance? So we've got the 100th PGA coming up at Belle Reve in Saint, or outside of St. Louis. What's the significance of that in the bigger kind of golf picture? There haven't been a ton of tournaments that have reached a uh, hundred editions. So to you, what, what does that signify? Well, it it really is sort of a, a celebration of the PGA professional, yeah. where he began in 1916. Right. Uh, we had 35 charter members in 1916, and of those 35, 28 were born in the UK. Wow. So that can show you the um, wave of the golf industry from across the sea coming right. over to start a, uh, their profession in the United States. Right. Um, at the time in 1916, the match play era was uh, chosen because the, the founder of the, of the PGA Championship, Rodman Wanamaker, the donor of the, uh, of the trophy and the purse, wanted to be different. He wanted us to be a little bit different than the U U.S. Open yeah. and, and, and the Open Championship across the sea. So I think that's where it started. And this 100th championship at Belle Reve um, brings together uh, a look at all our history. We've had 70 individuals win 99 previous championships, 70. Yeah. And there's been 219 total major champions in history right. since 1860. Right. So you, you look at where those 70 individuals are, and of those 70 individuals, we've had 19 multiple champions. Yeah. Most people are familiar with one who lives in Florida. Yeah. Or two, excuse me, two, <laughs> Jack and Tiger. Yeah. But uh, I think it, it, it's just really our association celebrating this championship because what we did for the professional golfer, we took him out of the ranks of being sort of cast aside right. way, way back right. and brought him into the front door of the golf clubhouse. Yeah. You can thank Walter Hagen for that. Yeah. And then you can go forward and say, how has that person become the best in the business of golf and, and the teaching of the game? And then that, we bring them all together and look at how many major champions out there were taught by great club yeah. professionals. Yeah, totally. Uh, what, what, in your opinion, so you've studied all the PGA championships, what's the, what's the best one ever? 
Well, I'm I'm very prejudiced. Uh, 2000 at Valhalla, yeah. that'll stick in my mind awesome. forever because it was an all-day duel. Yeah, it wasn't just the playoff. Right. But Tiger and Bob May. Yeah, it was. That was a pretty good one. What, are there any others that stick out? Maybe oh, maybe yeah. some older ones that. Yeah. I don't know about other people sure. don't know about that. You're like, wow, that was a, that was a really good tournament. Well, let's bounce around a bit. Um, I think the one that's not on the board out in the, in the lobby and is not among our 16 we're talk about in a yeah. moment is uh, 1993, which is my first championship I covered. Um, Paul Azinger beats Greg Norman at Inverness yeah. in a two-hole playoff, but that was just back and forth. We had a Saturday leaderboard is probably the strongest ever yeah. in, in the history of the it's game. It's a great course, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then we go further back. Let's go to 1945 when uh, Byron Nelson wins uh, the PGA Championship in Moraine Valley and in Dayton, and that was the eighth of his streak of 11, and that stands out. Yeah. I mean, that the pressure he was under at the time, Right. and he wins... 18 that season, yeah. two unofficial. So he had actually 20 wins. It's unbelievable. So it, th those are things that stick out. Yeah. And then we go back to 1923 with uh, Gene Sarazen and Walter Hagen, mm -hmm. and uh, that was in Pelham Manor, uh, excuse me, Pelham Manor, New York, and went down to the last stroke, the last hole, 36 hole duel between those two. Sarazen makes a brilliant recovery out of nowhere and sticks it really close and beats uh, Walter by one up. Yeah. And uh, there's just on and on. So it, you can look in the match play era, the black and white, for the, those that are not akin to looking back, right. and then the forward from, from John Daly, yeah. 1991 forward, yeah. I think is where the excitement took over right. uh, with CBS, obviously, and the, the, the public. When yeah. they, we can, they can adapt to that. Tell, tell me about the bracket. Uh, you, we talked about that earlier, but just kind of the unveiling of it later on this year and then uh, mm -hmm. fans being able to vote on, on sure. how, how that goes down. Well, uh, we, we decided to survey uh, a global panel of media yeah. from around the world. Uh, the Association of Golf Writers in the UK, the Golf Writers uh, America, Golf Writers Association of America, and our past recipients of the PGA Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism. They brought together their, their choices of the top PGA Championships. And the result of the top 16, which we formed doing a nice bracket challenge, is in the lobby here at the PGA Merchandise Show. And it will be formally unveiled to the public in the summer. So the public can vote upon what they think is the best championship. Yeah. And, in, and then incrementally, we'll see those released uh, at Belle Reve to the public on television. It, it's got five from the match play. It's got 11 from the stroke play. It's got the oldest champion in Julius Boros, yeah. 1968. It's got Rory winning at age 23. It's got t Tiger. It's got Jack. Yeah. We've got Long John. Yeah. We've got the Hague. We've got the Lord Byron. We've got the Squire, and we got the Hawk. Yeah. So we got them all. It's pretty good. Yeah. Tiger in 2000 is going to win, though, isn't it? He's favorite. <laughs> He's, he told He's us, the number one seed. He told us that he liked to stuff the ballot box. <laughs> I, on it. That's the true story. True. That's awesome. Yeah. When you're looking back, it's so interesting to hear about the pre-stroke play tournaments and and who, in your research, do you which golfer do you feel like? Because people from my age and my era, we talk about Tiger, we talk about Rory, we talk about all these guys that are that are young. Who do we overlook from the past that you're like that guy was really underrated? He was a really good player. Well. Let's go back to Hogan first in 1948, um, before his accident. He played, he was being outdriven by Mike Ternesa, uh, and, it's in, and he really was a man that had the brilliant iron play. 
He finished 35 under for the 213 holes he played that week. It's unbelievable. Brilliant. Gene Sarazen was a brilliant tactician and yeah. recovery man. Walter Hagen didn't have to practice much. Yeah. He just played. And he was brilliant with, uh, with, with it. Remember, they're playing equipment that was way inferior yeah. to what we have today. Yeah. So that was a million. But I also looked at the Byron Nelson. Obviously, you can't forget about him. His brilliant swing, yeah. which was um, simulated, became a simulator mm -hmm. for the USGA. Yeah. And there's a number of ones that we really also forget about, like Paul Runyon. Uh, Paul won in 30, I believe it's 34, 38. And he beat Sam Sneed. I want to say six and five in the final round at in, in, in Delaware, excuse me, Shawnee and Delaware in Pennsylvania, when it was so hot out there for yeah. the entire week. And he was a brilliant short game. Yeah. He became one of the greatest teachers we ever had. Yeah. And just a little little side note, Paul told us later how he prepared for Sam, who could outdrive everybody. Yeah. He says, I took uh, ice baths that week in my apartment before I went back to the golf course, everybody else was wilting in the heat except me. Wow. That's and he was maybe five foot six that's at the crazy. tops. You know? Yeah, that's so. interesting. It is fun to go back and look at because even in my own research of just preparing for the PJ championship or the open championship, going back and seeing what happened on different courses in the past. And we've obviously got Bell Reef coming up yeah. uh, later on this year. What there's been multiple different major championships on multiple different tours at this course. Yes. What, I'm glad you brought that one up. In terms of your history of researching that event, what has stood out to you about that course? Well, every time we've been to Bell Reeves, something special has happened. Yeah. Let's go to the Senior PGA Championship yeah. in 013 when why? Excuse me, Koki Idoki, <clears throat> Koki Idoki became the first uh, Asian male to win any major. Yeah. On either tour, and he he was shot a 65, I think, on the final day. He was brilliant, and. Uh, Later on, we became friends because we had fun with his, uh, his last name and yeah. we had fun with his ability to connect with the crowd. Right. Uh, in 1992, um, Nick Price yeah. won in that course, and he, he set in motion his uh, major championship uh, legacy, and he was the hottest player in the 1990s, and Bell Reeve was a perfect position for him. And uh, I, I just think that's in, uh, just another example of uh, how that course can set up for people. It depends on how the PGA right. sets up for this tournament. Right. Uh, we might mention that in 19, um, 1948, across the town, about 20 minutes away, it was Hogan's win at Norwood Hills, which is 20 minutes from uh, okay. Bell Reef. Okay. So St. Louis has been very good yeah. to us. Yeah. And it's a great city uh, for history. It's the city that had the last Olympic golf championship prior to Rio. Right. So. It's, it's, been, it's been a great place. That's awesome. Okay, Bob. Uh, I think that's all I got. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you and, uh, very much. I learned a lot today, so it was great. <laughs> thank you very thank much you. for the opportunity. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it, Thank man. you. Our thanks to Jonathan Wall, Susie Whaley, Bob Denny for their time at the PGA Merch Show down in Orlando, sitting down with Kyle Porter. Our thanks to you, the listener, uh, for always sticking with us. Make sure that you subscribe. We'll be recapping the Phoenix Open and looking ahead to the next week. We are counting down to Riviera. We are counting down to Bay Hill. We are, of course, counting down to Augusta. So make sure you subscribe, review, rate, follow Kyle on Twitter at KylePorterCBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Catch y'all around the turn.